0: What is next? Because like like I said, you know, we're in this age of disposable media and that's across all platforms, you know, movies, television shows, the internet, you know, it's so many people pumping out content. You know, you're trying to find that thing that's gonna one cut through that's gonna last and have you, can you know, building up a, you know that kinetic energy and that fan base that's like, yo, like, I love this. You know, you wanna create legacy.
1: The following podcast is an American Influencer Council production. Welcome to Creators with Influence, a podcast on the intersection between the creator economy and digital culture, where entrepreneurs come to share empowered stories. Kiana Smith Bruneto is a creator advocate, champion of lifelong learning, and movement maker. Karsten Tannis, known as Skinny Was Here, is a
0: solopreneur, internationally recognized multimedia creator and a promoter of
2: creative inclusivity. Together, Together, they they are are your hosts. hosts. What's going on, Kiana? Welcome back to another episode of Creators with Influence. How are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Carson. It's nice to see you.
2: It's so good to see you as well. And this time we are on episode number six and we are recording remotely this time.
1: Yeah, we have our AKG Lyra mics, and they have been uh, incredible partners of ours as uh, first-time vodcasters.
2: I definitely agree. The learning curve for vodcasting has not been easy, but AKG has helped us to flatten that curve a little bit. So we have another amazing guest for episode number six that is going to be sharing their journey through this creative space. Can you tell us a little bit more about who we have today?
1: We have Wesley Wasgood-Armstrong, who's really a veteran of the career creator space. He's been trailblazing since the days of Vine. He has amassed a community of over 3 million followers, and he's definitely someone I would call a future thinker. He realized early on that video would be a format an in-demand format, and he has taken on the role of director. He has graduated from the Sony TV's Diverse Directors Program, and he was named a game-changing influencer by Bloomberg. So what he's known for, which I love, is his anime graphics, his comedy genres, And, you know, you can find some of his great videos across TikTok. He was an early adapter when it was called Musical.ly, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. You know, he's everywhere. And um, he's going to talk about, you know, where he sees himself in the creator economy and um, the evolution of influencing, because as we know, some of the early Viners are still, you know, the mega influencers of today and have a lot of authority in our space.
2: No, I absolutely love that. And I'm excited to hear Wesley's story. I love creators that have a diverse background, a very unique uh, trajectory in this space, and they have tons of knowledge to share. So without further ado, let's get Wesley in here.
1: Well, we got a puppy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you turned into David Blaine real quick.
1: So, <laughs> we've got two guests on this episode. Uh, a first for creators with influence. You've got some competition there on the Q Factor. <laughs> uh, no man.
0: This is Marley, man. This is Marley. Young Marley. Eight. He's been with me for, he's turning eight this year.
1: Uh, oh, wow. He's an
0: actor as well.
1: Oh, I love it. A great, a great sidekick.
0: Yep. Put it down. <laughs> ah, thank you so much for having me.
1: Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you as
0: well. Yeah.
1: How is the weather in California?
0: It's getting cold. It's getting cold. So that means I've got to go someplace <laughs> warm.
2: <laughs> Where do people in California escape to when it gets cold though?
0: Um, usually I escape to my house and I turn the heat up to 90.
2: I that's about like. it.
0: That's about <laughs> it. Someplace else to go. Every place else is way colder.
1: That's the that's one true. thing we do have in common. I'm originally from Cali, too.
0: Oh, you know what? Actually, I'm not even originally from Cali.
1: Oh, I wow. Yeah. Where are you from originally?
0: Uh, you probably won't believe me when I say it, but I'm from Okinawa, Japan. I grew up there. Oh,
1: my gosh, that's right, because your mom's in uh, um in the Marines.
0: Yep, my mom is a Marine. Yes, she was, she's retired now, but yeah, I moved there in third grade and left my senior year of high school.
1: So cool. That's, That's where the anime inspiration comes from. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: I couldn't let it go.
1: I love yeah. it. So awesome too, uh, I'm so jelly. Japan's one of my favorite countries.
0: Oh yeah, it's so dope over there, so dope. Inspire, it inspires a lot of
2: uh, the work I do today for sure. Tell us what attracted you to film and video.
0: What attracted me to film and video? Um, the I, I think, you know, every kid is attracted to what they're watching on on television. And uh, the the biggest thing was how do I become part of it? How do I become the person inside of the TV? What's on the the side of the screen? Who's who else is back there? Where are they going? Uh, and I've I've always just been fascinated by it. So. One of my main things was like I need to figure out how to do this and create stuff like this. So I was very intense with toys, you know, creating all kinds of scenarios. And um I remember I made my first video for like YouTube and it went it kind of went, you know, it went viral, you know, it did a hundred thousand views and I was like, I gotta do this again and try to figure out how to how to do this more and that was way back in like 2005, 2004, something like that. And um, one of my instructors was like, yo, you should check out the school called Full Sail. And so it's a a school in uh, Florida that pretty much mirrors the entertainment industry. So I went out there and I thought I was gonna become an editor and I ended up becoming a director. And I said, you know what, I'm going to get really good behind the camera so I could be in front of the camera. And, you know, fast forward a number of years later, um, I met all my friends that were doing stuff on the internet and they were doing this thing called Vine. And uh, I was like, "Ah, I'm not gonna do that. Uh, You know, I'll I'll film your guys' stuff because I got really good behind the camera. And um, one of them started getting, they started getting millions of followers within months. And I was like, you know what? I'm about to start doing this as well. So uh, that's how that that kind of kicked off for me.
1: Awesome. I mean, Vine is one of those trailblazing platforms because yeah. a lot of the first viners are really still, you know, the the trailblazers of our our space today, and and the mega influencers right now, and some of the top paying creators. And so it's funny to, it's, it's interesting to see that that group has still so much authority. Um, and I sort of love the story of like the Vine, um, uh, you know, going to Twitter and, and demanding, you know, to be compensated fairly and Twitter executives not recognizing, not seeing the future of the creator economy and not understanding um, creative labor. and, And then all of those creators abandoning ship and going to Instagram. Uh, I'm not having the foresight for that. I don't know if you remember. A, a oh, lot
0: like I remember it very <laughs> clearly. Uh, yeah, I was, I was definitely, you know, with the wave of my friends, just like, we recognized, you know, like this app wasn't wasn't showing us love, and uh, they weren't featuring, you know, good content anymore. And uh, I remember my friend, myself, and my friend Tonya, we were like, you know what, like, Vine isn't really like you know, it's, it's not the place to be. Let's go ahead and move over to Facebook. So we started creating content on Facebook and we grew really fast on Facebook. I think I gained a million followers in like four months on, wow. on Facebook, um, just cranking out content constantly. And um, that's where we moved to. And then we also, you know, Instagram, they came out with 15 second video. We we're like, oh, we got more time. Then they came out with media videos. We got even more time. So just really figuring out the format over there. And even even at the time, uh, we were simultaneously doing. It's now called TikTok, but it was called Musically back in the day. So like, everything was going up super fast. So I gained half a million followers so quick creating content on on Musically, and they kind of they kind of did the same thing as Vine. So I I kind of pulled back from that. Stuck with Facebook and Instagram. Um, ended up becoming uh, one of the having one of the biggest shows on Facebook Watch when Facebook Watch first dropped. Um, nominated for a streaming because of that so like you know these other platforms really started showing creators love and and support um, now you know TikTok's on that on that same wave but Facebook and Instagram they really you know got behind the creators and mm-hmm. it helped us
2: out so what I love is, uh, you know, you just talk about the importance of diversifying the platforms that you're using. And this oh, is yeah. something that like Kiana always gets at me about because I'm always like, well, I don't have time for this. I have time for that. But, you know, can you tell us about like, you know, this, the strength in doing that and the strategy that you applied to it?
0: Yeah, it's it's super important to kind of put your content every place. You know, they always say you know, that term, don't put your eggs in one basket. Couldn't be more true because I've watched creators on Vine have 13 million followers. And then nothing, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely nothing when the app shuts down. It's like their content's not anyplace else. Nobody can find them. And then, you know, they're stuck starting from scratch. And I've seen creators, you know, get their pages deleted or lost, start from scratch and gain right back to a million followers. And that's not easy. You know, you have to have a certain uh type of grit within you to like yo, I'm going hard you know, I, I worked hard for this. I need to go ahead and gain it back and reach out to people. So, um, you know, it's so important to put your content every place. And I, you know, I, I would do that, but I'm kind of locked into certain contracts. So my YouTube page is probably my weakest page out of all my pages. You know, like when I get into these contracts with Facebook and Instagram, like my content can't go there, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just, it has to sit on these two platforms, but it is, um, It is so true, you know, put, put your content every place because people are lazy today. People don't, you know, how many times do you want to click someplace else or click out to someplace else? You want to, you know, get your content where you're getting it. If you go to Walmart, you want to get your stuff inside Walmart. You don't want to have to jump to Costco to Kroger's or Piggly Wiggly or wherever your grocery store is. You want to get your stuff there.
2: Like with all, with the amount of content that you're cranking out and, you know, even the, um, you know, the frequency that you would do it before. How do you battle like creative burnout or how do you keep yourself from going over the edge? Creative burnout is
0: real. And it, and it happens when you're looking at everyone else's stuff. When you're looking at everyone, oh man, they did this. Oh man, they did this. You have to really put your blinders on and focus on what it is that you like to do. Um, so how I uh, avoid creative burnout today is I come up with a schedule you know, a schedule to post content, to, um, edit content. And I don't put the pressure on myself to like have content every day. I mean, even though I do have content every day and, you know, I do have this, like this, this, this itch, I have to scratch and like, I gotta get it out. Um, you know, taking my time because the internet, you know, it's, it's disposable media. It's hot today, forgotten tomorrow because someone else is putting stuff out. So pace yourself, pace yourself and put out what you like. Because when once you put it out, it's no longer for you. It's for the world.
1: I really love what you just said about disposable media um, because that is such a powerful um, concept. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. When you come into the creator space, I think you have several different types of mentalities. You know, it's the instant influencer where I'm gonna get, you know, get paid overnight or, you know, I'm gonna put in the work and that I see, you know, I really believe in what I'm doing. I'm, I I just wanna build a community. I'm passionate about something. I have a story to tell, or, you know, I fell into this. And it just kind of, it just kind of happened. And then, you know, over time, success, the journey just happens. People see what I'm doing. You know, the growth and development of the content is more elevated. And then the success comes. But it's it's interesting, like the kind of types of people that fall into it and you know people get upset like oh i'm doing all this content i'm not making money it just takes a lot of time um and it takes a lot of content um yeah and a lot of dedication and we try to really educate on that so that people understand like there's a business there's a lot of people doing it it's really competitive
0: yeah big time really competitive that's why you have to Run your race is so important to run your race. Not anybody else's. you know, do what makes you happy and, you know, be authentic to yourself. And authenticity is the other key thing to this whole thing. Like not, don't fake who you are for other people because people can read right through it. You know, like uh, me and one of my friends, another creator last night, we were having a conversation about, you know, just simple vlogs. And what's up, guys? Make sure you smash that like button. Like that whole gimmick it's not. <laughs> real you know and I was like when did we why did we do that why why were we doing that because it was it was the trend but honestly like when you're presenting something um uh just be yourself so like even when I go into meetings I don't dress up in the suit and tie you know there is a dress to impress but also there is a we're talking it's human to human interaction and at the end of the day when I'm talking with someone that I'm creating with no matter what they've done in the past, you know, what their position is in the industry, executive or not. I want to make sure like, yo, when I was a kid, because we're playing in this world of imagination, what I play with you. That's what I want to know. Like what I play with you. So I talk to them how I would talk to anybody like, yo, I think this is dope because boom, boom, boom. And then we could do this and we do that, you know, like having that type of conversation and you kind of revert back to that that innocent childhood, like nature, where we're really that's where we were. Cause at some point, people build this wall up and they're just, they're not themselves anymore. They are this, like, we have to do it this way. And I just, I can't connect with that. So I need to know, like, yo, if we was on the playground, would we be kicking it and, you know, making something dope? Kessels, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> totally. so,
1: it's that's, like, would Carson on the swing with me? Would you push me? Like, that? Yeah. Gee. yeah <laughs>
2: well, I, like. I, lo- I love that, honestly, because uh even for me personally, I resonate with people who are authentically themselves in every yeah. situation. And I think that also is uh, a sense of freedom, right? Like, there's so many people that are caught up in whatever social constructs or what they, they think people expect from them.
1: Mm-hmm. But when
2: they show up as themselves and, you know, it's true and and authentic to them. It it resonates, you know, it it brings life into the room. So I love that. Yeah, big time. Big time. That's
1: a perfect question segue into, you know, with augmented reality and virtual reality. And, you know, by the time this airs, Facebook will have had their, um, their connected reality conference and Mark Zuckerberg will have presented you know, his vision for the metaverse, which the information just dropped an article today that the projected revenue for the metaverse will be $82 billion. Wow, Um, crazy. Which is just not insane. It's not (laughs) insane. I mean, it's like so exciting. Um, Like I definitely want to be in this this land of imagination. <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, oh, yeah,
0: it's a big land of make-believe.
1: What kind of technology is exciting? I see you in the metaverse. You'll be the first creator in there. You know,
0: I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, the movie Ready Player One by Steven Spielberg. I, I'm always in the Oasis. You know, I don't know if you guys have played with the Oculus at all. I believe that's partnered with Facebook and um, yeah. that that is so cool cuz i'll get on online with my friends cleo thomas and and king batch and all them and we can see ourselves it's not it doesn't exactly look like ourselves but it's a full body character that can fly around we're flying around inside here and throwing frisbees together it's it's crazy and you know having this this whole situation on your head you need a full padded room because when you're like <laughs> throwing frisbees, I'm like punching walls. I'm punching walls. I'm walking into my fridge. I'm like, damn it, I need I need a padded room to do this in. Um, but it is so insane and it's so surreal. Like, wow, this is we're really having a conversation inside over the internet where we can see each other and we can move around. I promise you, this is the most insane thing, one of the most insane things I've ever experienced. You know, just using my arms, sitting or standing. Flying around, shooting guns, throwing frisbees, and communicating with my friends like in an open world. So, yeah, it's gonna be crazy. Now, the only thing about that is you get nauseous within thirty minutes. I, I got I get super nauseous, so I haven't been in my Oculus in in a hot little minute. Cause so I'm like, okay, I'm sick now. And I love I playing have video an games.
1: Oculus headset, an Oculus headset. Oh, well, we gotta get online. Yeah, we do. Like, I have a concert experience that the first time I did it, I thought, like, whoa, I'm definitely at, like, a house party because yeah. this is no joke. Um, I also have a helicopter experience, and I thought, like, I really was in a helicopter.
0: Have you ever skydived?
1: Um, I have. That's um, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs>
0: I was on my bed, like, yeah, yeah! <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, this is going to just change the game. And I think we're all sort of, when you're a creative, you're sort of like, what's next?
0: Oh, always. You're never always. satisfied as a creator. Never. And I tell that to a lot of a lot of creators, you know, like the thing that keeps us going is we're never satisfied. Um, I spoke in my college a few weeks ago, and they were asking me, you know, like, you know, I was talking to the students, they're like, yo, Wes, what have you done? And, um, you know, I just kind of talked to them. And I was like, yo, you know, I did this and, you know, I, I, you know, I did this. This was a really cool experience. And uh, the instructor and the host was like, wait, 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 no, no, you need to really tell these students what you've done in this industry. And I was just like, I mean, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to brag, you know, like the stuff that I've done is great and cool. Um, and I got pulled over to the side by my my old manager after, and he was like, "Yo, it was great that you you know they perked up when you actually
2: told them what you did." And, and the- since we're here, can you actually tell us some of those things?
0: <laughs> um,
1: yeah.
0: Hey, uh-huh. um, okay. I uh, mean, it's it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot you of Listen, man,
2: I'm a I'm podcast. A, yeah, let me tell you, like Kiana told me, man. She said, you got to talk your shit, man, because not nobody's going to talk it for you. So, yeah, tell us, you know. facts.
0: Um, OK, so um, I did B.O.B.'s first album cover, did 500,000 uh, sales. I got I think I got a gold plaque. I did Flow Riders album cover, then wow. music videos for T-Pain. Um, I've done magazine covers for Pitbull. I've. <sighs> what else have I done? I've was nominated for a streamer for best director for my series on Facebook. Um, I was
1: Game Changing influencer by Bloomberg. Let's not forget that. that. I
0: did the, did the Bloomberg thing. Um, I did the Sony Diverse Directors program. I've done partnerships with like some of the biggest movie production studios in the world. I, I used to host screenings um for you know Paramount Universal, Warner Brothers and they were giving me the opportunity to showcase, well, not only just invite all the top influencers in the world, but also showcase uh, my projects before before the movie. So, you know, say it's IT Chapter 2 or Bumblebee or Alita, like I'd be introducing the directors of the film, but then also showcasing my project with my friends in it. And, uh, you know, I'm a big believer of speaking it into existence and and manifesting and, you know, to be able to sit in the back of a theater and... Watch your work on a big screen in front of these blockbuster films was just always a surreal experience for me. Um, so, you know, these things are all dope and great. And you know, you know, circling back to what I was saying before, my manager was like, you know, we see what you've done and where you're going, and you see an unfinished product. So, like you said, you know, you have, like, Carl said, you have to be able to talk your shit. Uh, because nobody else is going to talk it for you and so yes these things are are dope but at the end of the day you know I just I just did a feature and um I just came back from shooting a feature in Chicago and Dubai and Abu Dhabi and where I was like one of the lead actors in it and that's just crazy within itself because the director saw me at a party and was like yo I need you in this film. I'm like, wait, what? Nah, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. And uh he was serious and he hit my manager and they really pushed him. Next thing I know, I'm in a movie with George Lopez and and Terrence J and all these other people, um, and my friends. So uh it's it's crazy. But at the end of the day, I'm still like, what's next? What what is next? Because like like I said, you know, we're in this age of disposable media, and that's across all platforms, you know, movies, television shows, the internet, you know, it's so many people pumping out content, you know, you're trying to find that thing that's gonna one cut through, that's gonna last and have you can, you know, building up a, you know, that kinetic energy and that fan base that's like, yo, like, I love this, you know, you want to create legacy and, uh, you know, while you're trying to create it, you know, you just have to keep shooting stuff out. let me just keep cranking stuff out because you don't know what's gonna hit what's gonna stick because it's hot today forgotten tomorrow
2: you know yeah so piggybacking off that because um i know like the the term disposable media it sounds like more menacing than it is but also what i wanted to ask was how do you now navigate as a creator in terms of like ownership of like your materials your likeness and just even leveraging um you know the partnerships that you've had in the past or your notoriety in order to negotiate some of these terms? Like, what are some, ad, what's some advice that you have for, you know, up and coming creatives that are pumping out content? Um,
0: Surround yourself with people that have your back. I have a, a super dope manager. I've been with him for the past five, six years and a super dope lawyer. Um, and they have my back, you know, they make sure I'm not being taken advantage of. They make sure the contracts are, are clean. Um, they, they really support me and I don't even have to go into rooms, you know, my manager, he'll go into the room and he will talk for me, you know, he'll, he'll spit, he'll spit everything and just be like, yo, like, this is why you need to work with Wes, you know? Cause at the end of the day, when I work with anybody, I know that either they're working for someone or they have, you know, it's like, yo, we need something to represent to, to bring to someone else. So I have their back. You know, I have their best interest in terms of like giving them the content that they can use to, you know, cross that finish line, do that slam dunk, do a touchdown dance. Um, So that that's super important for me um, to do.
1: The team is everything. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got to have people who, you know, have your well-being and want to see you grow and also will push you as a professional. That's also super important so that, you know, we all get into a plateau. I think that everyone has different drivers and motivations, you know, figuring out what makes you, what wakes you up in the morning, what gets you excited because creating content is, you know, it's a lot.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: It's always, yeah. I love like being on set that it's like, oh, post. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, you, they, they say you're going to edit all your projects three times. When you write it, when you shoot it, and when you're editing it.
1: For sure. You're, you're,
0: you're constantly editing. I think that's a Marlon Wayne's quote.
2: Let's talk about, um, you know, some of these nominations and even more specifically like New Girl, you know, can you tell us a little bit about how that project came about and, you know, what you look oh. forward to with it?
0: that's that's me shadowing as a director i shadowed as a director on a show and one of my friends is one of the stars of that show and uh he brought me in introduced me to the fox executives and you know this industry is really about like not what you know but who you know and that's that's a real thing i wouldn't be in the position to shadow on some of these television shows um without people that i know and and my friends so networking is 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 huge
2: when you transition from you know, um, the entertainment side of it onto the professional side of it? Like, how do you feel about the responsibility?
0: Okay, so in terms of transition, like I started in traditional, you know, like, um, when I went to film school, I was I started doing photography. So photography really took off for me. So I was doing all the artists in my school because at, at Full Sail you know they have a degree program for music arts or music they have a degree program for show sh- sound stage production or show production they have another one for graphic art and design they have one for filmmaking and then they have like a business degree I think there's like five different degree programs it might be more now and um I was told by one of the instructors you know like if you want to understand film and you know, film is 24 frames a second, 24 pictures for one second of film, you don't understand a single frame. So I was like, all right, well, let me get a camera. My mom brought me a camera and I just took pictures of everything. And as that happened, um, I started getting the the attention of, you know, industry music artists. So I started doing their stuff and then I'm doing magazine covers and album covers. And uh, while that's happening, I started doing music videos. So. Now, next thing I know, I'm traveling across the country, directing music videos for all these different, different artists, and it's going on 106 in Park, and, you know, over here and over there. Um, so then I started producing um, for Buna Murray, and Buna Murray, they do like the Kardashians in real world. That's what that company is known for. But I was in the digital department. So I was producing a show called Breakdown, which is a YouTube show. And I started meeting all the up and coming uh, YouTubers, the big YouTubers, the small YouTubers, and at that same time, YouTube's going up, and then there's this thing called Vine coming out the same way. And so, while I'm producing and directing and shooting their stuff, that's when the transition happened, and it's like, yo, I'm about to be a full-time creator, um, and really just kind of went all in. You know, I didn't, I didn't know this was gonna really like open up a lot of doors, but uh, my friend Daystorm, he was like, yo. They're gonna start paying us for these. I'm like, no way. And I remember my first brand deal was $75. And I was so excited. I was like, this is crazy. I'm getting money to do stuff I was gonna do for free anyway. Um, And it was, you know, for us back then, it was just, it was a follower race, subscriber race. Who's the funniest race? And my stuff was not the funniest at all for at least a year or two, you know, It it was a struggle. You know, it was definitely a a struggle. So that grind was really real.
1: You definitely, though, have um, a a humor sense to your content. How do you come into that? Because that's what I love about your videos, whether you're transforming into a superhero or um, you know some of your older videos with like you yeah. know the likes on a girl's profile, like what are yeah. the? That's like the old the old ones. I like love those or like the diss videos, like.
0: Who's so I'm thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, you know, like a lot of these things are based off of just kind of like real life, either something I've seen or something I've experienced. Um, I think I give a humor for my mom, but I've always been kind of a class clown. Um, And uh, this has just been an outlet for life. You know, this has been an outlet really for just kind of like how I see life. And, you know, me, I I think what makes me unique is I have a different lens on black culture, you know, Um, I grew up in Japan. So I grew up around a melting pot of all these different cultures. So coming to the States was actually a culture shock. It was a huge culture shock. And, uh, you know, finding out how to fit in, I, I used to be embarrassed to say I was from Japan. I'm like, ah, oh, man, I don't want to say I'm from there. My mom's from New York, so I'm from New York. I was trying to make my own <laughs> New York accent. And yeah, you call me later. Uh, just, fake-ass version of myself. And then finally, it was like, ah, oh, man. I like toys still. Yes. I like anime. I like cartoons and I'm not from New York. I grew up in Japan. I know this is weird. And people became, people were fascinated by that. And I was actually shocked. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, okay. Well, then I guess I, you know, it's better to be myself than a fake version of what I thought people wanted to see, you know, trying to fit in and, you know, to like, these culture pots, you know, I've lived, I've lived all over really North Carolina, Virginia, Florida, Texas, New York, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Arizona. Like I've lived in all these different places for certain amounts of time. And, uh, it's, it, you know, when you're from a specific area, there's a certain vernacular, a certain swag, a certain twang that people have in these areas. And I didn't have any of it. You know, I didn't identify with it and I, I was trying to like pull from different ones. It's like, all right, look, I didn't grow up any of these places. I grew up over here and this is how I've always been.
2: That's dope. Like uh, I identify with that too, because I, I grew up as a BMXer. So like while I was right. watching like X Games and shit like that, <laughs> just people in the neighborhood. I'm, You know, I'm in New York right now, like I'm born and raised yeah. New Yorker, you know, but um, I think that, you know, traveling early on allows us to create you know, a, a different sense of the world and and mm-hmm. our perspectives are also adapted to that. So yeah. um I think that's that's an amazing journey though. It's just Absolutely. always being yourself, you know.
0: Yeah. You're dope. You have a unique thumbprint on the world and like nobody else can that's why I don't get scared to tell you know to tell people about things I'm working on. Because I'm like, yo, you're not gonna do it the same way I would do it. You know, you're gonna do your your version and that's cool, you know, but I'm not, I don't fear you stealing my idea because you're not going to do it better than me. You can do it your way.
1: I agree with that 100%. No one is going to have your same eye or the way mm-hmm. you produce it or the way you're going to edit it or how you're mm-hmm. going to lay music on it mm-hmm. or all of that. And that gives us a great segue into you know, you've worked with Lyft and T Mobile oh, yeah, cool. and You've done, you've directed over a million dollars in co-branded content, which is no, no easy feat. Give us some tips because we're all about helping creators on their path. Uh, share some tips for creators just on how to vet potential brand partners. What do you look for when you're approached for a new deal?
0: Um, I think I look for doesn't fit my brand. That's the number one thing. You know, I've been approached by alcohol brands or brands that just, you know, are not as, you know, PC. Um, and I'll say no, you know, it's like, uh, you know, that doesn't really fit my brand. That's not really what I'm trying to advertise. Um, and then, uh, you know, one of the pieces of advice that I I got from back in the day was uh, when a brand approaches you to post on your platforms, um, you need to find out what the budget is, what the rate is. So whoever says the number first loses. So say, for instance, a brand is like, hey, Wes, we want to work with you. And we want, you know, to do a social posting of this movie on this platform, this platform, and then three stories. Uh, you know, what's your rate? Usually the influencers first, you know, or anybody's first instincts to do is, say um all right well i want to charge this for this much i don't know how much to charge for this and you stress yourself out so much by doing all of that when they already have a budget they already have a budget they're just asking what your rate is so you you run the potential of undercutting yourself big time so i think the answer to that is hey thanks so much for reaching out to me this sounds awesome i can't wait to work with you uh what are you guys looking to spend throw it back to them because whoever says it first loses so they're gonna they could say Hey, we have 20K. All right, damn, you know what? That's 20K I wasn't thinking about. Okay, um, do I want to push it or do I want to say, all right, let's do it. All right, we're in a spot to negotiate because if they have 20, that means they may have 50. Okay, so let me say, hey, for this amount of posts and this right here, da, 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 I think it's going to be about 35K. Ah, you know what? That, that That's a little out our budget range. What if we take this this and this off and we could do 30K? Hey, you know what? Let's do it. Let's Mm -hmm. do it. You know, like you have to be able to understand, you know, negotiation and they have money to spend. But if you would have said, you know what, for this, we could do 10k. Great. Let's do it. And you're just out 25k right there.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, so it's very important. uh, I think to find out um, who, who says the number first, you know, and I would always leave that in the brand's court because most likely, you know, there's some, this is a third party company reaching out to you from another company and saying they have a budget of $3 million and we want to work with 20 influencers. You know, the third party is going to take a chunk for their, you know, finders fee, you know, and then they're going to disperse the rest amongst other influencers. I've seen these deals come through so many times, you know, to understand like the play.
1: And you nailed it. Coming from the brand side, you know, I always have a budget. And I know exactly how I'm going to Dell it out. And um, and, and creators have to realize that most Fortune 500 companies have a fiscal year budget. And when they're working on campaigns, they absolutely know what they're going to spend. And so you have to be market smart. <laughs> yeah so you gave a lot of great wisdom there
2: yeah i have a actually have a follow-up question to piggyback on that Mm -hmm. piggybacking on things do you have any any advice or any uh any investment advice for creators who have been in the game for a while like what's something that they can take some of that money that they've made and invest in or um, oh yeah
0: i'm i've been in my investor bag you know and i'm not a financial advisor um but uh I've been in my investor bag a lot lately. And, you know, I think there's a few different verticals to invest in, you know, obviously stocks, cryptocurrency, um, you know, and this comes with your own type of research right here, um, real estate. And then uh, one of the number one things is reinvest into yourself, invest in equipment, invest in, you know, what I think what makes me good at what I do or why people will say, yo, your work looks really good. It's because I invest in the best people. You know, I always surround myself with people that love what they do. So if it's a cinematographer, I make sure he loves what he does. Hey, here you go. You know, I'm going to take this money and put it into you. Um, if it's a sound operator, I'll put that money into you. If it's a color, colorist, I'm put that money into you. Um, a writer, same thing. I make sure you know, especially when I do these branded jobs. Like, you know, there are some creators that don't pay anybody for the branded jobs, and that's how they operate their business. I don't, I don't like that. That's not how I operate. Like, if you were working, you're getting paid. Uh, because I've, I've slept on couches. I know what it's like not to get paid for a job and working eight hours. You know, and it's like, dang man, like they're making a lot of money when they're not paying anybody like that, that sucks. And I don't ever want to be in that position or put someone in that position, you know, so I make sure, you know, that money is invested into, into people that are helping me achieve my dream, because they're able to pay their bills.
1: And that's the beauty of the creator economy is that influencers can empower other influencers, and hire other creators. And and that's, and that's so awesome to see when it's done in practice. <clears throat> and I love that you just said that um, because, you know, how I was able to elevate my own production was hiring other creators that, you know, we sort of grew up together.
0: Yep. Yeah. I think you said it best don't network up, network across.
1: Exactly. And just in closing, one question uh, As a creator of color, what are your thoughts on? inclusive marketing is the future of marketing.
0: I mean, I think that's the best marketing plan, you know, because we are all people. The only thing that separates us is the color of our skin. Um, And like I said, I grew up in a melting pot, so that's not really a foreign concept to me. It's more like, duh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What? Last question uh, from me regarding that. Do you think, or what do you think the impact of 2020 was in in response to inclusivity and diversity in marketing, I think yeah, it, it gave everyone a chance to slow down. You
0: know, we're all very ego driven, and um, now it's you know it's awakened our awareness to realize like, yo, I've been blinded by what I see in front of me, as opposed to what's right. What you know, how I, you know, understanding that we are not our thoughts we're the awareness of our thoughts. And that is, you know, the biggest lesson it taught me anyway. And, uh, you know, really just kind of breaking down this, you know, this wall, you know, we've built up and, you know, this trauma that's kind of like been passed down generation by generation, you know, like, you know, our parents, our parents before, you know, they had it wrong, you know, and, uh, we are able to make it right. We're able to shift, you know, what it is to see past, you know, our own insecurities. You know, it's like we've, we've been granted, I think with 2020 granted us is x-ray vision. You know, we truly have 2020 vision now. And uh, I love it. You know, we're, we're able to see through the matrix and see through the nonsense and see through the, you know, those insecurities that have been built up generation upon generation of just, you know, that's not how you treat people. You know, this is not how I actually feel. You know, so I think it's 2020, although, you know, it it was a trash ass year. It was also one of the best years.
1: Yeah, we are the change. So that's what's the that's what's exciting. We
0: are the world.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I was looking for my lighter. I was like,
1: (laughs) well, it was such a pleasure, Wes. You're so oh. one of my favorite creators. You're you. always doing some disruption and keeping it real. Yes. Good to oh. see you. Thank such you a so great
2: much. combo, man. Yeah, Thank you so much for, for joining us, man.
0: Appreciate it. Good luck with the podcast. Um, creators of influences is such a dope name. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys blow up.
1: And Yo. how can our listeners find you on social?
0: Find me at what's good every place that's w-u-z-g-o-o-d or what's
2: good online.com
1: good to see you
0: good to see you guys thank you so much
2: thank you so much man appreciate you creators with influence is produced by the american influencer council the sole 501 c6 not-for-profit trade
1: association in the u.s created by and for career creators